Fantastic. Where have you been all my life? <laughs> what a great song service this morning. You know why it was great? Because we believe it. Do we not? Fantastic. God is good all the time. Wonderful. I said to Margaret this morning coming in, I've only got nine pages of notes. Now that's good. I, I never have under 14. So she thought this, she said, I'm glad I'm teaching children this morning. <laughs> I'd like to give a title to this message, and uh, it might be a bit of a risky title, but I want to give it anyway. Don't say what you see or you don't see, say what you want. That's the title. Don't say what you see or don't say what you don't see when addressing God, but say what you want. I was never brought up to think like that. But I want to encourage you this morning. I think God is asking us, what do we want? Now, before I can unpackage that, I have to put a a little statement, or I'll have to read a scripture to get this very clear on where I'm coming from because this is not Faith 101 today. I want us to go to Faith 201 today. And um, some people with Faith 101 might think, well, this is great. Ask what I want. Do you know your wants and your needs are totally different? And people who are moving into Faith 201 understands There's a major difference when we approach God and asking for our needs from asking him for our wants. In fact, the Bible tells us we don't even have to ask for our needs. I was reading a story to my four-year-old, five-year-old grandson the other night. He said, Papi, I want you to read me this book. I love reading storybooks to children because they're short and there's a lot of coloured pictures in them. (laughs) And most of the time I fall asleep before I come to the end. And... uh, this was a storybook about a little bird. And he flies over and meets his mate, another bird, and he said, come and look what the farmer's doing. And the farmer's out in the middle of the night looking at his little crops trying to grow, and he seemed to be worried. And the bird says, why is he worrying? Because the father feeds me. And the next minute he says, come on. He meets another little bird. He says, come and see the butcher. And the butcher's there in the butcher shop preparing all the meal for the village. He said, I don't know if I've got enough meat. I don't know, what, I don't know if there's enough to go around. And the little bird said, why is he worried? Doesn't he understand that the heavenly father will take, he takes care of all of my needs? And the story goes on and on and on. And it's a gorgeous little story for five-year-olds that says, don't worry about your needs because the father is going to take care of your needs. So we need to move from beyond faith 101 and stop asking for what you do or you don't see but start asking for what you want all right now I've sort of laid that out and before I get to my text or my scripture which we'll come to in a moment I'll read to you from here don't have to put this one up thanks gadget it comes from Hebrews chapter 11 1 to 6 we know this passage extremely well for faith is being sure of the things that are hoped for. We understand that. That's reading from the New Living Translation, which I'm trying to convert to. It's easy to get born again than read the New Living Translation when, when you were 
born up with the new King James. Can I hear any amens? No. You wouldn't agree with me no matter what I said. <laughs> but faith, by faith we understand it says that the uniform was formed. The universe was formed by God. And he goes on and talks about Abel and all the other Old Testament uh, people that by faith they did this and by faith they did that and God rewarded them. And it goes on in verse 6. And without faith it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must, number one, believe that he exists, number two, that he rewards, and number three, he rewards earnestly, earnest seekers of him. So there's, I want to make this very clear to all of us this morning that, uh, that I want to address prepared followers of God. If we are a truly a prepared follower of God, we really understand, we really believe in our heart that God exists and that he's here and he's flowing like a river that we just sung over our life. He flows through my fountains. He, that's the crowd I want to address this morning, that um, if we are really going to be a people of faith, we need to understand, according to the Hebrews 11, 6, that we must believe that he's here for us. He's here for you. He's taking care of your needs. He takes care of every situation. I do recall when I became a Christian, a born-again believer, very first day, I felt something leave and something come. An instant moment. And I didn't know what it was that had to, I couldn't articulate it, what it was that had to leave. But I tell you, I felt a whole lot better when it left. A whole lot better. And I, I felt this incredible weight exchange take place. And I started to prepare myself to believe that he was here for me, number one. Number two was that we must believe that he, that he, he, that he responds with rewards. God rewards people. That's hard to believe. We're supposed to be no respecter of persons and we're supposed to love everybody equally and, and uh, we have secret Santa in our family and we all buy a present for somebody. We're all given a name to buy a present for and then everybody gets the present and uh, we all love it. We, we just do this. We've been doing this for years and we, we put a, a dollar value on it. Not, not one dollar. We don't go beyond ten. Some only go to two or three dollars but most go up to 10. Most go to 10. And, um, and so we, we have a, an equality system. There's, no one's getting a better deal than the next person. In fact, we had one Christmas when somebody forgot to do the secret Santa for one of my sons. And everyone's opening up their present. This is great. And this is only a few years ago. This is a mature man sitting there and he's just smiling. There's none left and everyone's talking about their great presents. He didn't get one that year. You got two that year, that's right. You got two and he got none. I'm not sure. But all he knows, all my, all my son knows, he's not grieved in the spirit because he knows God's going to reward him. God rewards people. And, and he doesn't just reward people. He rewards people who are diligent seekers. That's the key. He's rewarding diligent seekers. Now, diligent seekers don't worry about their needs. But they've got a whole lot of wants. And they have a liberty and a freedom to explore God for them. Now, here's the text. 
That's just the introduction. We're going to go to Luke chapter 11. I want to remind you, don't say what you see. Say what you want. If you remember nothing else today, remember that. Say what you want. We live in a realm of political correctness. And it's, it's handicapping our faith. So let's look at the scripture. Hebrews chapter, uh, sorry, Luke chapter 11, verse 5 to 10. Then Jesus, this is Jesus speaking, uh, then teaching them more about prayer, he brought them this illustration. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. You know when people ask, can I borrow something, they very rarely return it. What they're really saying is, you've got something and I need it. That's precisely... So Jesus is quite cheeky in some of the parables. There's so much depth in the parables... We've got to dig to really understand what he's saying. He says, you have a friend, and and this friend comes to you, and he wants to borrow three loaves of bread. You say to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit, and he has nothing to eat. He would call out of his bedroom, don't bother me. The door is locked for the night, and we're all in bed. I can't help you this time. But I tell you this. Though he won't, uh, uh, he, he wouldn't, uh, sorry, but though, I'm struggling with my glasses on today. Though he won't do it for a friend, if you keep knocking long enough, if he keeps locking them, he will get up and give you what you want because of his reputation. He doesn't want his reputation damaged. And so I tell you, keep on asking and you will be given what you, what do you got to keep on doing? You will be keep on... Uh, He'll give what you ask for. Keep on knocking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. Now, here's a a simple little illustration. It's okay, I'm getting new ones in in, in a week or so, aren't I, Phil? Thank you. I'll save up. And here is a guy. This is this parable. You might think this parable is all about prayer. Jesus starts that premise by saying this is a... This is, this is how prayer can work. But I want to tell you, for those people who are moving into Faith 201, this is a parable about a relationship between two friends. One had it all, and the other was seeking it. This is a relationship about a man who has, has a supply. He has a reserve. He has a bounty. He has it all there at home. He has it when he least needs to have it pressed in and a requirement for it. And, uh, you know, some people have things that... My garage is full of everything. I never throw much out because I think one day I might need that. And I rarely let Margaret into my garage alone. Because she thinks, what's he doing with this? There's no space in here and I, I find it in the bin. But this... This, this person had a house like a garage. It was full of everything because someday somebody might press me for it and I need, to, I need to be able to say, I've got it. So there's a relationship. Now, the guy on the outside of the house knew the guy on the inside of the house. He knew that he could come at midnight and he would not be turned away. 
there was something in this relationship that was not politically correct. Now, I grew up in Canberra more than half of my adult life. I've lived in that same city more than half of my adult life. And it is a city of political correctness. And I would like to suggest to you there's a lot of it that is not right. But nevertheless, political correctness drives the nation. Jesus came to the Jewish world, which was politically correct. And I want to tell you, he was everything but politically correct. He wore red glasses. He was a rebel. Jesus was everything except being politically correct. He talked to the political correct people and said, you're a stiff-necked, whitewashed tomb and this, and I'm not looking at you in particular. And, and, and Jesus wanted to, to, to break down the political correctness and say to people, why don't you just ask what you want? Let your yes be yes and your no be no. Why does it take so long to give a hard answer when it's usually yes or no? And we're so conditioned with political correctness. And people of faith, 101, when something doesn't work out for them, it's very easy to say, well, it wasn't God's will. Now, I'm telling you, we're starting to put God in a a political correct box. It wasn't God's will. Well, it it may may well have been God's will, but it may not have been God's will just for now. There's a very big difference between that and uh, uh, it, um, it wasn't God's will. Now, I want to tell you, when this man came to the door and started to talk through the door, his friend heard him. There's a lot of people that pray Faith 101 and, and uh, uh, maybe God was busy today. Maybe God wasn't here. God always hears. God always collects your tears in a bottle. God knows everything about you. God knows when you're going to get up in the morning and God even knows when you're going to get up tomorrow morning. He knows what you're going to be wearing tomorrow. He will. He's already in your tomorrow preparing it today. I want you to think that one through. Faith 201. Your results that you have in your experience today are as a result of yesterday's faith. It has nothing to do with today. In fact, God doesn't dwell in today. He dwells in, he he did dwell in yesterday, but now he's in tomorrow. He's in tomorrow for you. And so this is an amazing parable. And so we've got to deal with political correctness. And, and, And the man said, what do you want? Not what are your needs. You see, this fellow on the outside of the house, let me go back a step. I've flown into Sri Lanka 25, 26 times uh, and dealing with the mission areas that Garen spoke of this morning. Every time I fly in, bar none, every time I fly in is between 1 and 3 in the morning their time. Every time. Because the airlines that I go with fly in with, into places where there's no curfew. And they always, Singapore Airlines or um, one of those airlines that go through KL or Singapore always get into Sri Lanka. It's a busy... So I arrive around about 1.30 in the morning and by the time we fight our way through customs and we get into a, a vehicle and then we get to somewhere where we can rest, it's normally about 4 a.m. in the morning. 
Now, I'd left about 20 hours earlier, hustling and bustling with people. Every time I get to my motel room, there's never food waiting for me. Never. There's never food. I'm interested in one thing and one thing only, a bed. Now, this guy comes and knocks onto the door late at night just like that and says to the guy, mate, I need three loaves of bread. And the guy in the, in the house knew that he, he wasn't asking for a need because the people that arrived at his home, they weren't wanting to eat. They were wanting to go to sleep. They'd been travelling all day on the back of some silly donkey or whatever the case may well be. And their need was they wanted a bed. But this fellow prayed a prayer which had nothing to do with needs. It had everything to do with wants. Now, I wanted to say to you, there's a big difference. Phil, I went to Phil's shop the other week, and I, I'm a salesman. I used to sell stuff most of my life. And uh, when a person comes into a, an optical shop, and they say, so I was in there about two months ago, and I saw some frames, and I didn't particularly like any of them, to be perfectly honest with you, Phil. And uh, so there you go. I didn't like any of them, because in my mind... Uh, nothing sort of lit me up, so I, I, I went home. And, well, I got medical insurance, and my medical insurance will tick over at Christmas time, and if I don't use my health insurance for a claim, it doesn't accumulate, I just lose it. You know, you know the system? That's how insurance is rich and we're not. And, and uh, so I said to Margaret, I need to go in before Christmas if I'm going to cash in on this little deal. And I've been putting it off and putting it off and putting it off because... I know I have a need. I have a need to get my eyes upgraded. But it's like having a sore leg or something. The guy has a sore leg and he knows he's got a sore leg. He's not really going to go to the doctor for it. He's just, he's got a sore leg. He has, he has a need to get his leg fixed, but it's, he can still drag it around for a few weeks. It's, that's just the way it is. And that's as it was with me with my eyes and my glasses. I just, but, but when I went in the other day, I found a frame that I liked, and I said, oh, I want that one. Oh, uh, yeah, I want it. It wasn't red. I, 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 I want that one. So I said to one of the guys that worked there, thank you, I'll have that one. And he took my measurements and took my money. How did that happen? It's because I, went for, I, I converted from a need to a want. There's no motivation through needs. But there's a colossal amount of motivation through a want. You want to look, you're going looking for cars. You know you need a new car, and then all of a sudden you see the one you want. Whether you can afford it or not, somehow you, you, you just... Because you're motivated through a want. I remember going to buy... A, we were, Margaret and I were looking to buy a house in Wollongong. Oh, a lot of times, went, months went by... And, we knew we had a need to move from one location to another because it was more... Then Margaret came home. She said, you better go and have a look at this house. And uh, so I said, oh, I'll come with you. I said, so I went and had a look at this house and I looked at Margaret. I could see a want. She said, right, this is the home that I want. It was way out of my budget, but you want to know something? We got it. Because the need was superseded by a want. We are motivated by wants. 
Insurance salesmen will sell you a product that you don't need if you can, it can get you to the place where you want it. And this parable is all about wants. It's got nothing to do with needs. The people needed a bed. And the owner of the house said, what do you want? And God is saying to us, Faith 201, when you come to me, tell me what you what you want? It's amazing. And as I said, we live in this political correct world, even in the house of God. And regularly, we pour God up with all of the needs in our life, when in fact he knows that. And he's willing to fulfill that. He's willing to attend for that. As a Christian... I went through that period of my life where my sons were all getting married off. They were coming at, some were coming out of high school and going to university and, and then getting married off. And, and uh, I thought, when I first got married, if I have sons, I've only got to pay for the cars. That changed. Political correctness kicked in and it sort of cost a lot. Anyway, I was going through that. And, and one day, I, and I said to Margaret, how are we going to do this? How are we going to afford to do this? I asked that question once and I never, ever returned to it. Because somehow, we always got through it. Somehow, all the little ends were drawn back together. Somehow, the situations were resolved. And, and, and God taught me way back in Faith 101, stop worrying about your wants. Let's move on. Sorry, well, stop worrying about your needs. Let's move on to, in, into the area of your wants. Hebrews talks about all the different baptisms of repentance and just and this and, and let us move on. But this we will do if God permits. Now, God does permit, providing we are diligent seekers of God. Diligent seekers get rewards. They never, get, they never fall short. They never are left begging for bread. And I want to encourage people this morning. If I say nothing else, start changing your confession in your prayer time from needs to wants. I think it'll make a, ma a marvellous difference in your life. It was midnight. It was not the right time. And he broke all the rules. When we understand a relationship that is being built between the fellow on the outside of the house and the fellow on the inside of the house, and you realise that becomes a strong bond, you realise there's no rules in the relationship. There's no rules in our relationship with the Father. If we are diligent seekers of God, he will reward. Now, let me just say this to you. If we are truly diligent seekers of God, funnily enough, the things we ask for are usually the things he's prompting us on along the way. If we are diligent seekers, he's prompting us on them along the way. Prompting. One day, I just knew God wanted me to purchase 25 motorbikes for a bunch of people that Garen spoke of this morning. And uh, 
I started off thinking, you know, multiply 25 by a couple of thousand dollars each and this, that and the other. And I thought, oh my gosh, I know they had a need, but something gripped my heart way beyond needs and it was want. So I said, God, I want 25 motorbikes. I'll have some red ones and I'll have some blue ones and I'll have some black ones. Within about eight weeks, I had the money. Handed the money across, and I bought some more. Bought a few three-wheelers, and I started to realize rewards were coming in an amazing... I started to learn what it is to really have faith for money, what it really is to have faith for things outside of... seriously outside of my need environment. And it comes through this simple little parable... What do you want? What do you want? What do you really want? So I, I want to encourage you all this morning. I've been thinking a lot about this lately. We're moving forward into a building program next year in a way which is beyond what we can see or what we can't see. And we've got to start to be a people of 201 faith. What do you really want? What do you really want? Amazing. Sylvia shared something the other night at dinner about uh, one of her grandchildren. She wanted, it wasn't that her granddaughter had a need. She was way beyond the need. She wasn't interested in the granddaughter's need, but she wanted something special for a, a grandchild. And you shared a couple of different stories, Sylvia. You're moving into that new level of prayer. If you haven't, you're probably way ahead of me. And I want to encourage you this morning. Let's start moving beyond our need and start looking for what we want. Paul Yongi Cho, who had at one stage the largest church, probably still does in the world, he, had a, he, he, he prayed for a, for a push bike once. He said, God, you've got to give me a push bike. I'm going all over these places. I need to get the visit. And he said, Paul, I'm just waiting for you to tell me what colour. <laughs> what do you want? And, he, and, and Paul learned... Paul Young Cho learned the difference between what his needs were and what his wants were. And he started to lift up his prayer life. And I want this and I want that. And before you know it, God was fulfilling. Because he was a diligent seeker after God. I want you to stand with me this morning. I want to say to you this morning, God is not turning a deaf ear. There's no deaf ear in God. Steve, I remember we were, we were praying and pressing in for a job change for you. You didn't need a job change. Because it was working. You didn't need it, but you wanted a job change. And as a result, a few of us pressed in. He's now got the job change. God, God is interested in... I'm pressing and I'm labouring the point... Please move from level one to level two in your area of faith. When you pray to God, by all means, thanking that you can come to him through the veil, through Jesus Christ, the Son. Point one in Hebrews chapter, uh, chapter 11, that we need to believe in him. We've pressed through Jesus. Point two is that he is a rewarder 
So go with an open heart and believe that God wants to reward. You know, I was once told a story. Uh, God's got like a storeroom in heaven. And all these big heavy boxes are on the top. And all these little tiny boxes are on the bottom shelves of his storeroom in heaven. And someone asked him once, why have you put the big boxes on the top and the little boxes on the bottom? He said, well, people don't ask for the big boxes. It's more convenient. They just keep asking for the little stuff. So I put the big ones up there. I don't very rarely get a call for a big box. Church, this may be a message or the type of message that might have come out 20 or 30 years ago, but I think it's as relevant today as it was then. We need to start seeking greater things, things that you may enjoy, things that may assist you in your walk, things that may help your light to shine, things that make life more pleasurable and more comfortable. What is your want? Father, this morning, we worship you as though you're here and you are. Yet, Father, when we leave this place, it's very easy to get caught up in political correctness. Yet you're asking us to to let it all out. Say what you want. Father, help us to be a people who can move to that realm of faith that fears not when we ask you for something that is special, that ask you for something that is unique. Father, you do not desire your children to have second best or be second best. And so I'm praying for faith. Lord, that like the man in the parable, we will keep asking, we will keep knocking, and we know that that door will open. We know it will, according to your word. Sweet anointing, sweet anointing, sweet anointing of God. We pray that in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Let's sing a worship song to him. Thank you, Phil. Thank you, Lord. Say the word and there is life. Say the word and dead bones rise. Every star and end hangs on your said to me, you're going to come into some money. Do you remember that? And I stepped out and I went up to Dan and I said to him, I said, Dan, 
my faith is a reality tonight. And I'm telling you, this is what God has said. And at the end of the prayer meeting, Dan came up to me. And he said, well, with a big smile on his face, I've just come into some money which I wasn't expecting. And he told me the amount. And I said to him, that's exciting. God is already moving. But I said, I think there's more. How has that been going? Not yet. Are you asking for it? Or are you waiting for it? I think you need to start asking. Already, three quarters of it came. All right, but keep asking for it. Now I say that to say this. Some very personal things here this morning. You need to start asking. Truly be direct. If you are walking with the Lord and your heart is after God, it's time to start asking. Sweetheart, it's time to start asking. I don't know what it is, but I suspect there are some very personal things and you wonder why. I would just want to say to you again, keep knocking on that door. This man on the outside looking for the bread wasn't going home before dawn, I promise you. He wasn't going to go home and the guy on the inside knew it. If you have a heart where you're not going to go home with your tail between your legs, I can tell you, the man on the inside knows it. And he will defend his reputation according to the word. Keep asking. What do you want? Whatever you want. If you know it's true and pure, and sustainable through the hands of God. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to sing this song through one more time. We're going to close the service there. I'm going to invite you, if you want, to come and keep pressing into God. You're welcome to. Just come toward the front for everybody else. Have a great day. But also, if you've never asked the Lord into your heart, this morning. Just don't leave without asking someone just to help you to do that. It's the most simple thing, most amazing thing you'll ever do in your life. But otherwise, we'll see you this afternoon at the... Come on, carols. Oh